Welcome to TW Now and welcome back to our regular viewers. I'm Scott Winnell. Each of us has experienced the sting of death, the death of a friend, the death of a loved one, the death of a close family member. Some have even experienced the death of a parent or a spouse or a child. Death is normal and natural and will be experienced by all one day. And we all understand this fact very well. But given our common understanding about the reality of death, why is it still so difficult for most of us? What can we do to better cope with death? Today's returning guests will help us better understand this topic and will provide us with some actions we can take to more successfully cope with death. I'd like to welcome back our returning guests, Mr. Dexter Wakefield here in the studio with me, and Mr. Adam West on Skype joining us from New York. Both of these men are experienced ministers and Bible teachers. Along with experiencing death in their own families, both of these men have helped many people in their congregations over the years cope with death as their roles as church pastors. Gentlemen, again, welcome to both of you. And for our audience, I'd like to encourage you, if you've got questions that come up in your mind today, please message us and we'll do our best to get your questions. Also, please be sure to subscribe, like, or share today's program. Mr. West, let me start with you as we include both of you in this first question. We know that death is normal. It's inevitable. It's going to happen in our lives. Why is it that we still, most of us as human beings, struggle with death? I think death is difficult because uh, there's an element of finality to it. Um, there can be all kinds of different complications uh, that come uh, it, given the nature of, of uh, death. But I think one of the most powerful things that makes it difficult is the fact that God has created us to be emotional beings. Uh, we have bonds uh, with uh, others, family, friends, and that strong emotional bond, uh, because death uh, severs that bond, then that does create uh, a great deal of uh, pain, suffering, sorrow, uh, grief, and, uh, and that can create a lot of um, anxiety, and uh, that's what makes it difficult. Mm -hmm. It is difficult to talk about it. Um, I think people are, feel they're unprepared to talk about it with their loved ones. They don't necessarily want to do that. The subject is very unsettling to do. Uh, you are talking about something that is going to bring huge changes in your life. Uh, there's worried that there could be disagreements with your arrangements and other things leading up to it. And, you know, I think it prompts a very um, difficult self-evaluation if you're talking with family members or other people about your death and the thing that's going to, things that may come about as a result of that, that you start thinking a lot about your own life, what could I have done? Uh, how will I be remembered? So it's not only that we are, have difficulty coping with the people, the, our loved ones who, are, who die or are going to die, that we have difficulty with dealing with our own demise as well. Mr. West, do you have anything you want to add to that? Well, I think it's important to uh, look at the you know, the, ultimately what death is, um, 
you know, we can we can discuss that. I'm sure we will as the as the, uh, the program continues. But when we recognize that that Christ was uh, acquainted with grief, uh, this is something that. Um, you know, he he was uh, uh, prophesied as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Uh, so this is not something that is is uh, uh, unfamiliar really to to anyone. Uh, when Christ walked this earth uh, nearly two thousand years ago, uh, that he uh, he was um, aware and he saw. Uh, what was what was going to happen as far as human beings, the experience that we have, and he experienced that completely, and uh, and he went through um, a, a terrible death uh, himself, and he knew that that was coming, and yet he was willing to to endure that. I was wondering sort of along these lines, you mentioned Christ going through death himself, uh, experiencing a personal death, knowing that was coming. Uh, maybe you can give an example of other situations where Christ experienced death. Uh, he, you said he was acquainted with grief. Uh, how else did he experience death during his life? Well, even, even whenever Lazarus was dead and Christ came up on that, that scene, he saw uh, those that loved Lazarus, uh, they were they were just overwhelmed with grief. Uh, grief, the actual word, uh, it, it has to do with a heavy burden. They were burdened in that moment because Lazarus had died, someone that they loved deeply. And Jesus loved Lazarus. And uh, we're told that Jesus wept. And he was touched by that grief. Uh, and and it just it's a, again a testament to um, the way God has created us as emotional beings. Mr. Wakefield, when you think about that example and, and the struggle that Christ went through, <clears throat> what kind of insight does that give us into God and Jesus Christ? Just watching His example with with that experience and other experiences with death. That's an interesting question. Uh, we aren't really told exactly what was in Jesus' mind when that happened. We know that he was very sad. He saw all the people wailing and crying. They were grieving over the death of Lazarus. But um, to me, just thinking about it and imagining, trying to imagine it, uh, you know, Jesus knew everything about death. He knew all about it from uh, all of the deaths that have happened in history, all the deaths that will happen in future. He knows about God's plan and all the suffering that mankind has gone through in this age. Billions of deaths. Maybe he contemplated that because seeing this going on brought to his mind the suffering that mankind has gone through in this age. And I can, if, if that hit him, I could see that may have made him weep in addition to seeing the suffering there would have prompted it. But then right after that came Lazarus' resurrection. The two things superimposed, death and life. I always like to think about it that way, but we'll mm -hmm. ask him someday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. <laughs> well, let me ask you another question. We've reviewed a little bit uh, the reality of death, and we've talked about <coughs> some of the reasons death is so challenging. Uh, there are different types of death. Um, I mean, there, people die, but you, some people die in old age, some people die uh, 
before their time. Um, and sometimes those are more difficult deaths or certainly challenging to deal with. What are some of the ways, the actions we can take, the perspectives we can have to better be able to cope with this inevitable state? Knowing that God has created us as human beings. He put us in the flesh. He planned for us to be born, and as Solomon talks about in, in, the song, or in Ecclesiastes, there is a time to die as well. What can we do to cope with the inevitable, to, to better be able to handle it? It's never going to be easy, but it can be handled in a more easy way. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, as ministers, we've done funerals, we've counseled people in death, um, of the death of a loved one. Uh, it always just seems like a, such a deep and painful wound. A person has been wounded, as, almost as if it's physical. And what happens is a, is a natural process. It's going to take time to heal. Um, I think allowing oneself to experience the emotions that's going on with you and to know what's happening to you uh, can be a, a big help. But you should go ahead and know what you're doing and experience it. It could be denial, as we as I said earlier, anger. You're angry that it happened. Why did the, this person leave me? You don't know why. And then you feel guilty for what you did do or what you didn't do. Um, it's a process that a person goes through and it's part of the, of the healing. I would say that people can remember to forgive their own regrets. It takes time, you will have regrets, but you have to be able to forgive it. That guilt is a feature of grieving. It's kind of, I think of it like a, a cocktail of, of emotions that you're going to have and that you're going to go through, but it is a natural process. And people can also talk with others who are grieving or have grieved, because that helps you with your healing process. And I would remind people that if you are talking to someone who is grieving, you can't heal it. You can't make it better. You can't fix it. But you can be there for them and support them and let them feel loved and understood. Um, even if you, of course, you can't understand exactly what they're going through. You shouldn't say that you do, but um, you can, they can know that you're there and that you're caring and you're trying to help. Mr. West. Yeah, I think if... Uh if an individual has suffered loss, that they can recognize that what they're going through is unique to them. Uh, there's no timetable uh, for going through uh, the grieving process because it is just a process. It's not something you just tick off your, your to-do list. It's something that is uh, very uh, internal. It's something that, that has to be experienced. And if they recognize that, that uh you know, that grieving process, not just about the loss of the individual, um, but it's also about change. Uh, they're going to experience so many different changes. Uh, they have to, in one way, create a new normal. Uh, the sadness may not go away. It may last for years after uh, the loss of a loved one. But uh, there, there is a change to almost every aspect of that person's life. And uh, they can even grieve the, the loss of what was. Uh, in that way, not just the individual, but uh, the reality that was before that. So uh, it can be very devastating, and they just have to take time, not make big decisions uh, too quickly after the loss of, of uh, a loved one. Uh, that can take even, you know, it may be good to do uh, even a year before you make some big decision like selling the house or selling certain things, whatever it might be, moving 
uh, out of uh, out of uh, the town you've lived in with that person or whatever it might be. You have to just take time, take it one day at a time, and and uh, don't feel pressure to to get through the grieving process within a time frame. I would like to just, just add that to anyone who is grieving now and is, is listening, we can't possibly tell everything that you should know of what you should do. Get counsel. Talk to your minister, even a professional counsel, counsel. A lot of times that can help as well. There's much more that could be said about this. Mm. Mr. West, let me come back to you. You made a comment a minute ago about how what's, what a person's going through is um, unique to them. What did you mean by that? Well, because there are so many different complications, um, you know, individuals can have the loss of a spouse. It, that can be very quick, uh, uh, an unexpected death. It can also be a, a death over a long protracted time period, uh, as can be, you know, some kind of chronic uh, disease or illness. Uh, it can be the, the loss of a child. Uh, if that child is older, it can be one, one situation. If the child is younger, uh, I lost a great nephew that was 19 months old. Uh, and it was extremely difficult for my nephew and his wife. And so when you see all the different complications, that's why it's unique. It just depends on uh, what has transpired what were the circumstances, and uh, and so uh, again, it may be it may be uh, months, and it may be years, depending on the situation. Okay, and so both what both of you are saying too with this unique thing is that we all we we each grieve in a unique way, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and the way you, uh, Mr. West, grieve may be different from the way I do, and the way my wife does may be different than the way Mr. Wakefield's wife does. And so we've got to allow for those differences as well mm -hmm. in time and temperament. Do you have any other suggestions for productive, helpful ways to cope with death? Mm -hmm. Well, um, you know, simply emotional outlets. Tears can be healthy for men or for women as well. A lot of times it provides a very needed emotional release. But, you know, we can talk with others about it. As I said earlier, we can find creative outlets, other things that you can do that help you. Um, physical activity, exercise, a lot of times will help. You want to be careful not to turn inwardly too much. This is maybe a little after the initial process. Mm -hmm. Give yourself a break from it sometimes and do something pleasant or maintain your routine. As I was saying, forgive yourself. A number of things like that you can do. Maybe that Mr. Um, I'm sure Mr. West can have um, um, suggestions as well. Support groups, other people who have grieved can be very helpful Helpful to do. Okay. I think, uh, uh, as was mentioned, not isolating oneself. Um, you know, if, if, we, if we continue to reach out, make connections, uh, that, can, that can stave off uh, depression, uh, even despair after the loss of someone. Uh, I know that uh, I lost a friend when I was 19, and one thing that, that I remember and I, I cherish was the opportunity to go with another friend to share a meal with, uh, with uh, my, my friend that died, his mom and his grandma. 
and we sat around and we talked and we shared stories and uh, it was it, it's vivid in my memory and it did help it helped to uh, move through that that pain mm -hmm. just to add you will grieve differently for different relationships mm. um, I grieve differently for the death of my father than I did for the death of my mother uh, because the relationships were different so uh, as mr. West has pointed out everyone is unique and even the grieving processes for a single person, for a child, or for a parent, or a brother, or a neighbor, or something like that, uh, it, all of these things are, are unique. No one can fully un understand them. Let me ask you another specific question to this process of grieving. <clears throat> I've noticed over the years, and having the privilege of working with people, that some people, after they lose a loved one, um, <coughs> continue to grieve and almost feel guilty if they stop grieving for a loved one, uh, like maybe they're betraying their love for them. It, that may be normal. W what kind of advice would you give related to that kind of a situation? I think even certain cultures uh, have that ingrained where there's a time of, of initial grieving that may even last up to a year. And then it's an annual anniversary type of grieving after that. And you just have to wonder how healthy that that is. Um, you go back and you can read, and I think it's Exodus at, uh, or Deuteronomy, but talks about that the children of Israel grieved for Moses after his death for 30 days. And, you know, we're not saying that's setting a time frame, but uh, it, it does point to um, that kind of national grieving, and uh, and then they uh, and then it says those days were ended, uh, the grieving days. Uh, but you know, if there's if there's uh, if there's not a processing of the emotion, that initial shock uh, and the pain and the suffering, if there's not literally sometimes just sitting down in a chair in a quiet room and allowing your mind to go to those, uh, those, that person that you've lost. And like uh, Mr. Wakefield was saying, just shedding tears and allowing those, those emotions to, uh, to ebb. And then once you uh, can move on from that, uh, that's, that's what uh, in psychological parlance is uh, catharsis. And you're able to, to, rectify those emotions and and then you can go forward if you don't resolve those emotions uh, we continue to have a flood of emotions each day those emotions come and if you don't resolve those then it, it gets to be too much to bear and it can hurt the person in the long run you know I, I think one of the reasons that people um, go out and put flowers on graves and so forth. Well, they're remembering the person, and that's a good thing to do. They have a moment of uh, reflection and remembrance of the person. But I also kind of think when we do that, we're saying, I hope you remember me too. I hope I'm remembered. I hope someone will reflect and remember on me and my life. There's a little bit of projection going on in all of that. Um, I, I always have sought, thought of that as kind of a kind of a healthy process to occasionally visit a grave or a tomb, even show the kids where your ancestors have lived or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I think that can be a healthy process and part of life, showing the continuation. 
Mr. West, I appreciate your comment about uh, Moses and the 30 days of mourning. We actually had a Facebook question that addressed that particular issue, and you handled it well. Thank you. <clears throat> Let me ask you one more thing, and then I want to switch gears. Um, once we begin to handle our grief and move forward, how does giving to others, serving others, help us uh, through the process of grieving? Any thoughts? Well, it's certainly something that can be a, a wonderful distraction. Um, grief is inward, is how you're feeling, and when you're grieving, you tend to turn inward when you're doing it. Uh, when you start helping other people and doing that, then you're turning outward, and I think that opens you up and helps relieve the grieving process. There's a time to turn inward, there's a time to turn outward, and I think it can be very useful to focus on other people at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <coughs> well, uh, you know, the um, principle uh, there is uh, in, I believe it's Acts, you can help me out with that, Acts 20 and verse 35. Yeah. Uh, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so uh, to be happy, uh, to be blessed, uh, ultimately, uh, it does involve giving. And if we if we say I'm on a hiatus from giving for a while because I, I need to uh, go into myself and figure all this out, you know, that can also be counterproductive. When you, when you put yourself out for others, uh, it does lift that feeling of isolation. It, it takes away the, the me or the, the self-centered aspect of it. And, uh, and when you do good to others, there's a blessing. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's going to that's gonna, uh, serve you in, in that process. Um, just following up on that a little bit, uh, 1 Corinthians 10.6 says, No temptation has seized on you except as common to man. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. Keep reading, it says. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Remember that last part. You've got to look for the open door. You say, I can't deal with this. This is too much for me. Well, look around. Look around. And he, that open door may be, just as we're talking about here, the opportunity to help other people to turn outward. And watch for that opportunity. It may come at just the right time. Let me ask another question of you. <clears throat> and I'm going to give you an overall question, and then I'm going to read you a Facebook question that I think will get us started in this discussion. What are some of the powerful scriptural promises that you find helpful uh, when it comes to the loss of a loved one, or even, even uh, impending loss of one's own life? So you think about those scriptures, and let's go to Psalm, or reference Psalm 116.15 first. Uh, YouTube question was, why does the Bible say, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints? And we might find that as a valuable question and encouraging, but why? Why would God find it valuable, uh, precious, when his saints die? Well, I can, uh, I can certainly think of one very good reason, because once that person dies, if it is his saint, that person has overcome to the end of their life, they are dead and in their grave and awaiting resurrection. And for them, it's only a moment of time before they will be resurrected into 
eternal life. God's going to give them another body. He'll hold on to them whom they are, and then he will give them an immortal body. This is talking about the saints. So uh, I can see how he would certainly feel like his, that the death of a saint is precious because that life is complete, and now they're ready for eternal life. Other, other, either comments to that, Mr. West, or other scriptures that come to mind for you? Well, I think Mr. Wakefield addressed that uh, comprehensively, but uh, the, I, I, I like to consider that as uh, precious in the sight of the Lord. God's watching those that he has set apart uh, actually, the word saint uh, comes from the Old English word sanct, and that's where we get sanctified and sanctification. Mm -hmm. And so those individuals have been set apart for a holy purpose, and God has been watching them grow and develop and overcome over the course of their life, like Mr. Wakefield uh, mentioned. And so uh, he, he is waiting with, uh, with expectation uh, for uh, that uh, that resurrection that's that's to come. Mm -hmm. well, let's actually dig into that concept of the saints. Precious in the sight of the Lord of the death of his saints, uh, are there any scriptures that give us comfort and can give us perspective if someone dies and is not a saint in God's eyes? Mm -hmm. Well, um, you know, we, we were talking a little bit earlier about sometimes when um, when someone's as at a funeral and they, the person was an atheist or someone that they feel was never saved. And uh, everybody there is very uncomfortable in the funeral because the preacher's up there trying to think of something good to say about the guy and the woman or whoever it was, but everyone is stared to death that they're burning in hell. Well, the Bible teaches death and resurrection. And that um, the, when the person dies, that they will be resurrected and resurrected to immortality and the first resurrection or their... Which is the resurrection of the saints. Yes, the resurrection of the saints that we just talked about. We can read a nice long scripture on that or we, there is another resurrection he talks about. There's a second resurrection. Everyone will have a full chance of salvation. Uh, and this is a doctrine of great hope. I just hope that um, some of our uh, viewers, if they are worried about this sort of thing or afraid of, of that there's some loved one or someone who is not going to have a chance, uh, this is not the only day of salvation according to your Bible, that everyone will have a chance. And I hope they will look at our literature on that. Maybe there's um, something like what we have here. Is this the only day of salvation? Take a look at it. You may be really surprised, but I know you'll be greatly encouraged if you're worried about it. Mm. Mm. Mr. West, other scriptures that come to mind? Second uh, Peter 3 and verse 9 tells us that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, mm. but that all should come to repentance. And so that's uh, repentance is a necessary step in God's plan and process for salvation. And it's, it's not God's will for anyone to perish. He wants to spend eternity with, with every uh, human being that surrenders themselves and comes to him. And, and uh, that's, the, that's the reality. Uh, God is a loving God, a caring God. 
And uh, yes, uh, he is uh, the one who has made us physical beings, and uh, death is, is something that mankind has uh, ultimately brought, on, brought upon themselves. If we go back to Genesis chapter 1, and we, uh, or Genesis chapter 3, and we look at uh, uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, uh, we, we see when death entered, uh, the human experience. But God has provided for us to not have to die forever. And he has done that through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Just um, some familiar scriptures. First Corinthians 15, verse 12 says, If Christ is priest, that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? There are people who deny this doctrine with the immortality of the soul doctrine. There's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. We will to be raised from the dead um, in, in the same form. Uh, each one in his own order, verse 23, Christ the first fruits, afterwards those who are Christ at his coming. Uh, the body is sown in corruption, it is sown in incorruption. There is a natural body, there is a spiritual body. Immortality is something we put on at resurrection. You don't have it now. You don't have it now. And it's important to find out the biblical truth of, about this doctrine because it's such a great hope that we have, uh, for, not only for ourselves, but for, every, uh, for everyone else. Um, I think Mr. I know Mr. West had some more comments about that. I, um, I didn't mean to take everything he was going to say because we were talking about this earlier. He had some um, wonderful, encouraging things to say about it. But uh, the scriptures, there are many scriptures about this. If you'll just read your Bible and understand what it's saying. Mr. West, I'm actually going to ask you to hold that thought uh, <clears throat> because we're running out of time. And so what I would like to do is just pose to you both the question that we typically wind up with. And I'm sorry to our audience that we are out of time because I think the three of us could continue on this conversation for quite a while. Mm -hmm. There's so much meaning in God's plan. And when we understand God's plan as, as written in the Bible, it really can give us comfort, like you're saying. My question to you is what key point or takeaway would you like to leave our audience with today? And uh, let me go to Mr. Wakefield first, and then Mr. West will come back to you. Okay, I'm going to be the practical guy here. I'm a very practical fellow. Two things I would like us to uh, remember um, as we go into that. There's something that you could do, rather two things that you could do that is a very giving, loving thing for those that you love. First one is do a will. Do a will. If you don't have one, you really should do one because if you don't have one and you die intestate, your will goes, everything you have goes into probate. There's all kinds of difficulties associated with that. Um, there could be disputes, taxes, legal fees. The main people who win in that are the lawyers. So long delays can be drawn out. You just don't want to get involved with that. And it can all be avoided um, very easily. So get professional help to do it someone who specializes in that. Um, lots of little things you can do. You have a checking account, just as an example. I'm not giving legal advice. We don't do that here. We give spiritual advice, but just some practical things. If you have a checking account, you can have a payable upon death person on there. Um, I have a checking account, but upon my demise, um, my, it goes automatically to my wife's name. You fill out a little document at the bank, it's done. Same with the stock accounts, your IRA, all of those things um, uh, can be handled that way. It's so easy to do, but it avoids huge um, problems. Just as an example, maybe a durable power of attorney, 
so the person has the uh, the right to a trusted person to handle um, your some of your legal affairs um, afterwards. And then the second thing is end of life health care. You talk about things we don't want to talk about. That's one of them. But it's something we need to think about because if you don't, you may be you know, lying in a, um, in a intensive care unit with tubes all over the place, suffering, half in and half out of it, um, maybe in a coma, and then your family is faced with severe choices at the worst possible time. Uh, that's a, simply the time that you want to think about these things in advance. Doing an advanced directive is a really good idea. You can download one from the state that you live in, get one from your attorney, um, a simple one like Five Wishes. I know that's legal in, in North Carolina, but find out what works for you in, in your state or the country um, that you're in, um, and also designate someone who can have access to your medical information, a spouse or someone else. Otherwise, at least in the United States, they won't tell you unless you designate the other person to do it. Lots of things that you can do that can make uh, uh, this difficult time, this difficult situation far easier for those who uh, love you and they don't enter into this process with you in, um, in disputes among one another or things like that. It's a good time to, uh, now to think about those things in advance. Okay, thank mm -hmm. you for those really practical suggestions. Okay, Mr. West, what are your final thoughts here? A couple, couple thoughts. Uh, first, we don't have to fear death. Death is likened to a sleep in First Thessalonians chapter four, and uh, we know from Ecclesiastes nine ten, there's no thought in the grave. And so, uh, as as also in First Corinthians chapter fifteen, uh, right about verses fifty one to fifty four, talks about in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, uh, and it's talking about. There's a time when we die, uh, it's like a momentary darkness, and then uh, what comes after. And so if we recognize what God has taught us in his word about the nature of death, then we have nothing to fear. When we suffer loss, uh, when we lose someone, just remember uh, to give yourself time, go slowly, uh, recognize that you don't have to just tick it off your list. Uh, find uh, an opportunity, find an opportunity to remember the good times with uh, that individual, speak to others, uh, don't isolate, uh, really uh, keep, keep uh, going forward and do that with others, because that's how we get through the most difficult things in our lives, always with others. And certainly, uh, if I could underline, um, have a relationship with God. And, and recognize that Jesus Christ uh, is well acquainted with grief and you're in good company uh, in that way. Gentlemen, thank you both for your time today. Thanks for sharing your thoughts, uh, for sharing uh, the perspectives that you've gleaned over the years as you both are acquainted with death as well. Thank you to our audience for joining us today. We hope that our conversation has been helpful to you. I'm sorry if we didn't get to your questions, but we do encourage you to do some reading that may help you. You know, as all of us recognize, death is a natural part of life. Death does have a sting, and especially when it's a close loved one or an untimely or severe death. But we do not need to lose hope when a loved one dies.
The truth of God's plan for mankind outlined in the Bible can give great comfort at the time of and following death. And as we practice more of the ways of God, they will bring comfort and fulfillment as well. Actions like giving to others, praying for others, continuing to grow spiritually and intellectually, serving others, talking with others, and moving forward are key to learning to cope with death. Life in the flesh is just part of the life that God has called us all to, as we've heard today. Death is a pause in God's plan for mankind, a plan that will resume when we're all resurrected one day. For greater insight into the plan that God has for all human beings, and even those now waiting in the grave, please visit tomorrowsworld.org and order or download your copy of Is This the Only Day of Salvation? This booklet's available for you. It's not our words, it's what the Bible has to say, your Bible has to say, what God through your Bible has to say about death, and actually insights into how to cope with death in an even more effective way. For more detailed answers to concerns of today, please stay tuned to TW Now each week. And next week, we encourage you to join us once again. We're going to discuss several different ways to become a great parent or a great grandparent. We also invite you to sh be sure to share, subscribe, or like this program today. We'll see you again next week.